This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super stoked to be here with each and every one of you today. For the baseball version of today's show, I'm going to be going solo, talking about the White Sox, the Cubs, some of the ins and outs of all things Major League Baseball. And then later in the show, I'm bringing on a very special guest to talk about the 2023 NFL Draft. I'm bringing on my great friend, Partner in crime, outstanding person on this network, Aldo Gandia. There's nobody I'd rather talk football with over the next little period of time, especially on draft day, one of the best days on the NFL calendar. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, thank you to everyone who's watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify later, whether it be Friday, Saturday, no matter what, I'm thankful for you. It's been you know crazy. Um, everybody says, welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you for joining us today. I know we got a lot of people that tune into this show to use sports to escape. Well, the Chicago White Sox aren't doing a great job of helping people escape from what they got going on in the real world because they suck. They are so bad. I was wondering if anybody on here heard that rant on ESPN 1000 a couple or it was yesterday. Um, his name was Berto. Shout out to Berto. I tried to reach out to Berto to get him on the show. I haven't heard back from him, so maybe we'll find a way to get him on Crosstown Crosstalk or um, South Burbs Hitman over the next couple of days. I would like to speak with Berto. His name is Rob Coletti. Um, I tagged him in the tweet on Twitter. Um, he went on and just gave an outstanding, passionate rant about the Chicago White Sox and what's been going on with this franchise over the last handful of years. And guess what? There really hasn't been a single person out there that ripped on this guy, discredited anything that he said, didn't completely agree with him. He started off the ramp by saying he's not he's not angry, even though there is a little bit of anger. It's more sadness that this team that he loves and he went on to say who he gave the benefit of the doubt to and how he had faith in this person and that person. And it just, it all made so much sense. And he talked about how the White Sox, their big free agent signings this off season were Mike Clevenger and Andrew Benintendi. Well, Rick Hahn wanted Andrew Benintendi in the draft six years ago. It might, it was longer than that, about six years ago. And, you know, things are different now, you know, players evolve, whatnot. They're not worth what they were six years ago all the time. Um, well, Mike Clevenger is just one of the biggest pieces of crap human beings on planet Earth. And 
the juice isn't even worth the squeeze. He stinks at pitching. And all of these things that he went over, losing Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Yoan Moncada, Luis Robert, none of them living up to the potential that we thought they were going to live up to. It has just not worked out. And as we sit here today, the Chicago White Sox are on an 11 game or excuse me, a seven game losing. You guys say 11 because if they get swept by the Rays here, it will be 11. Um, You know, they're seven and 18, 280 winning percentage already seven games back of the American League Central Division lead one and nine in their last 10 losers of seven in a row. The only team in the division that trails them is the six and 19 Kansas City Royals, who if the White Sox keep losing, who's to say the Royals don't pick up a couple games and force the White Sox right into last place. When you look at the American League standings as a whole, only the Kansas City Royals and the Oakland A's. Um, trail them in terms of all of Major League Baseball. It's just those two, actually. The Colorado Rockies picked up a win or, uh, two games ago, so they're three and seven in their last time, but they're still got more wins than the White Sox. Uh, didn't realize the St. Louis Cardinals were that far down. I'm sure there's some Chicago Cubs fans out there that are happy to hear that they are nine and 16, just off to a putrid start. Um, losers of three in a row and winners of three of their last 10. But, you know, here we are. The White Sox are where they are. Uh, they traded Chris Sale and Yo uh, for Yohan Moncada and Michael Kopech all those years ago, and the rebuild just has not worked. Um, not every rebuild turns out to be what the Cubs did. Not every rebuild turns out to be what the Astros or the Royals did. Every now and then, you have a what's going on with the White Sox. I'm sure there are some other examples of teams failing to execute rebuilds over time. Um, the Cincinnati Reds kind of tried to rebuild there for a minute. It didn't really work. Um the Twins kind of retool on the fly always. The the Rangers, same thing. The freaking Angels are stuck in mediocrity. It's not like the White Sox are the only bad franchise in baseball, but the bad franchises mostly stay the same bad franchises because of who's at the top, and that's just where we are with the White Sox right now. Later today, they do begin that crazy series with the um, Tampa Bay Rays and Shane McClanahan is going to be on the mound for the Rays against Dylan Cease for the White Sox. Listen, Dylan Cease is elite. He's an ace. Any team in the league would want to have Dylan Cease, but guess what? Shane McClanahan is just as good, and you know he's going to get more run support than what Dylan Cease is likely to get. So tonight, the White Sox' real chance to win a game in this series is tonight, and if they don't, you can probably expect them to get swept and then make that an 11-game losing streak, and then the season will really be over entering May. I mean, it's over now, but if you go into May with a, what would that be, a 7-22 and record, I mean, that's just, that's about as putrid and puny as you can get. So on the other side of town, though, things are actually going quite well. I, you know, it's not perfect. They're not the Rays, you know. They're not, you know, who else is near the top of Major League Base? They're not the Braves, okay? The Cubs still have a long way to go, but hey, they're 13 and 10. They're winning right now a three to one lead over the San Diego Padres who are in their own right, a very good team. They they're off to a mediocre start The Padres 13 and 13, but I think we know based on their roster that they'll be right there at the end of the season near the top of the national league standings because of the fact that they do have guys like Juan Soto and Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, their pitching staff with you Darvish and Blake Snell and Julio Lugo guys like that. You know, but the Cubs have taken it to them, and if they end up holding on to this 3-1 lead that they currently have in the third inning, um, those of you listening later will already know the outcome of the game, but um, that's a series win for them, another series win over another good team. And I'll tell you what, the, the Cubs are a better organization than the White Sox. I was texting a couple of my friends last night, very late at night, about this, and 
The Cubs haven't been all that great at developing pitching over the last 20-ish years. The one really good pitcher it looked like they were going to develop and have him become an ace-level pitcher has been Dylan Cease, and they traded him to the White Sox. But other than that, their offense is really, really good. They're getting production from all over the place. They made a couple of crazy signings that have helped keep them competitive this year, like an Eric Hosmer, who hit a home run today against his old team, the San Diego Padres. Um, Cody Bellinger, you know, having a little bit of a resurgence. We know how great Dansby Swanson is. Has Dansby Swanson hit a home run yet? I don't think he has, but it doesn't really matter. That's not, you know, if, those will come. He'll hit home runs, but he's been a solid contributor for this team, playing outstanding defensive shortstop. Um, we know the, what the likes of Nico Horner and Seiya Suzuki and all those guys can do offensively. So it's been good times. You know, they're going to make some call-ups here in a couple days, I think, once we reach that deadline of the the playing time threshold or whatever. Um, we'll see what happens with the Cubs, but, you know, they're off to a much better start than the White Sox. It has just been... An abysmal start for the South side. And you know what? I know on this show, especially in its earliest days, it was a lot of like, what kind of character is Vinny going to come on and play when it comes to talking about the Chicago Cubs? I don't have it in me. I do not have it in me right now to be a Cubs hater or, you know, be that guy who rips on them. I mean, first of all, I'm going to act childish again in my life, but it is childish to hate the other team in town just because they are the other team in town and you like making fun of your friends. There is a childish aspect to it, and I'm not acting like I'm not even going to get to that point ever again in my life, but like the White Sox and the Cubs aren't impacting each other. In fact, I wish the White Sox were the Cubs. I wish they handed out a $170 million contract to Dansby Swanson. You know, I wish that when Seiya Suzuki becomes available, they have the infrastructure to maybe go take a run at that guy. Um, you know, we've seen them add good pitching. We've seen them make trades before players start to really fade away. Like trading, trading Javier Baez for Peter Crow Armstrong. People were so mad about it the day of, I wanted to cry. I was like, really? The Mets gave them Peter Crow Armstrong for Javier Baez. A lot of White Sox fans were dancing on their grave. That was no grave. That was the restart of something new and beautiful. The day they traded Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez. When Killian makes a start for the Cubs tomorrow, I believe uh, that he will. Is Killian? No, they're. I don't know exactly when Killian's going to make his next start, but you know that's a guy that you know they acquired and Wesneski, who's starting for the Cubs right now. They got him. You know, last year I believe it was the Efros trade, and people were traded that they, or they were annoyed they traded Efros. I'm like, dude, you're getting pitchers who can really develop and become something great in the long term. Efros is 28. He's not going to help you in 2025. He's not going to help you in 2026. So that's where I stand on each team right now. The White Sox are just abysmal and like abysmal. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. People, even Cubs fans have been telling me, it's only April. It's only April. I'm like, what are you talking about? If they get swept by the Rays, they're going to be 7-22. and 22. What what kind of miraculous run do you think they're going to go on in May, June, July, August? That makes you think that they are going to come back from being a potentially 15 games under 500 by the end of September to, in order to make it to the postseason. There is just no chance. Not with the current team that they currently have. You know, I, I honestly think they could trade for Otani and Trout, and it still wouldn't be good enough. There's something rotten at the core of that team, and it starts with the top with Jerry Reinsdorf. And Rick Hahn has been a terrible general manager. Um, Kenny Williams is an awful president, and they've hired a bunch of bad managers in a row. Ozzie Guillen won them the World Series in 2005, and, you know, he stayed with them through the 2012 season, and that was a good season for the White Sox. 
and they fired him and let go or brought in Robin Ventura, who was a cyborg in the dugout. Rick Renteria was a Cubs retread, even though he had some good moments. Then you hire Tony LaRusa, terrible. I mean, just awful. Uh, Pedro Grafal, terrible, awful in over his head. He might be a good manager one day, but not now. I, you know, it's just, it's nasty. It's really nasty what's going on with this team. And the fans of this team deserve better. The fans of Chicago sports deserve better. I mean, look at where we're at right now. The Cubs being three games over 500, people are already starting to plan a parade. You know, there should be higher standards than that. The White Sox are 7-18. and 18. The Bears just had the worst season in the NFL and were earned the number one pick. They traded the number one pick, and things look like they might be on the come up, but you never know. The Chicago Blackhawks couldn't even lose properly. They have the third best odds to land Connor Bedard, who's a generational talent, because they were too dumb to not trade Andreas Athanasi, who had to get 20 goals at the end of the year. Or they were too dumb to not start Anton Hudobin, who stinks in net all year. You know, they couldn't even lose the right way. And then you got the Bulls. I don't know what's up with the Bulls. They made it to the playing game and had a surprise win over the Raptors and then got smoked by the Heat in the fourth quarter. And now the Heat, who beat the Bulls, just upset the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo, so long, pal. You know what would have happened if the Bulls miraculously held on to that lead against the Heat? They would have gotten swept by the Bucks. So, you know, it's just tough times in Chicago sports right now. Um, I Luckily... I have one team that's not a Chicago team that I cheer for, and things have gone a little bit better for them lately. We'll see how it goes. But in terms of baseball, just not very good right now. And I, I couldn't be more disgusted with how things are for the White Sox. I honestly, I stayed up uh, I stayed up trying to really make light of it. And I wrote a couple articles for SouthsideShowdown.com. And, you know, I listened to that rant from Berto on ESPN 1000's Waddle and Sylvie. And I just, I, I couldn't. It, it just bugs me so much when you love something so much and it just doesn't love you back at all. And every year we keep coming to the spring thinking that there's a chance and it just, they keep pooping on you and they don't care. They don't care. I went to the socks crawl last year and you know, people work till five sometimes not that Jerry Reinsdorf would understand anything about something like that, but you know, they wouldn't let us in because the gates closed, even though there was 45 minutes left still in the bar crawl event at guaranteed Rayfield. I mean, it is just a poorly ran organization from top to bottom and they should be ashamed of themselves. Um, a team that we used to say that about, so we still might say about it, but we're giving the new regime the benefit of the doubt is the Chicago bears. And in the last 18 months or so, the Chicago bears fired Matt Nagy. Uh, fired Ryan Pace, Ted Phillips retired or is retiring. I think that takes effect on June 1st, if I remember correctly. Um, they hired Matt Eberflus to be the head coach. They hired Ryan Poles to be the general manager. And to replace Ted Phillips, the Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, is going to come in and try and hopefully turn this ship around. There is new management um, obviously George McCaskey is still there and so is Virginia. So we'll see if that has any sort of negative impact on the franchise, even though these new faces are in place. It's kind of, it, it's kind of like if the White Sox hired a good president, GM and manager, um, you know, but still had Jerry Reinsdorf. Like, I'm not too sure that that would work, even if it was Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, and you know, who's the greatest coach of all time, who, you know, Tito Francona, whatever. Um, I'm not sure it would work as long as Jerry's still there, but we'll see. There's hope with Kevin Warren. Once they made the Kevin Warren hire, I was really kind of all in on what the Bears are doing personally, and they're going to have a stadium in Arlington Heights. 
and you know they're going to get out of that dump soldier field and they have the number one pick they traded it for an elite wide receiver and move back to nine and i believe they got a really good running back too in this trade for the first overall pick so there's nobody else i would rather talk about all this stuff with than a close personal friend of mine who has given me so much on this network a platform to speak my mind whenever i feel like it it is you know been an ultimate pleasure i welcome to the show my personal friend aldo gandia Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Aldo. Vinny, uh, before we talk football, your frustration with the White Sox, it, I mean, it's just beaming off the screen here, and I totally get it. Um, I, Like I told you before the show, I haven't been following baseball that much because I've been doing all this work preparing for the draft, but you informed me just now that the losing streak has swelled to seven games. And so I want to ask you, which one player has disappointed you the most? Because I saw somebody uh, tweet out that uh, it's Lewis Robert has been perhaps been oversold. Maybe he's not the budding superstar that uh, we all thought or as the, the tweeter Tweeter said we've been sold on. Uh, and so is it Lewis Robert or is there another player that you're really disappointed on and can point to uh, being maybe the number one culprit for this losing streak? I mean, the best hitter on the team so far has been two-time South Burbs Hitman guest Jake Berger. And a guy I interview regularly probably shouldn't be the best hitter on the team because I'm not Chuck Garfine or I'm not Ozzie Guillen or one of those guys just yet. So, you know, I always think, like, how is my friend the best hitter on the like, It just shouldn't be that way right now. We were sold by management teammates of his, former coaches of his, that Luis Robert Jr. was the diet Mike Trout because nobody would ever fully call anyone the next Mike Trout because that's just unfair Mike Trout's probably the great one of the greatest players ever and you know but Luis Robert isn't even diet Mike Trout he's Mike he's diet Mike Trout diluted with a little bit of water and some baking soda and maybe a little flour and that's Luis Robert compared to Mike Trout I, I would say he has been incredibly disappointing he reminds me and I hate saying this Ooh, it grinds my gears to my core saying this, but he's Javier Baez 2.0. He is. When he, outstanding defense, El El Mago out there, robbing home runs regularly. If the ball's going to go, the ball has to go a maximum of three feet over the wall for Luis Robert Jr. not to rob it. I mean, it is, it's magical to watch. And center field is a premier defensive position in baseball. It's the equivalent of a, a elite pass rusher in football. Um, but the offense and Javier Baez, great defensively. Few things get through mm-hmm. him at shortstop. Um, I've never seen a Tigers fan or a Mets fan or a Cubs fan complain about Baez's defense ever or his base running. But the bat, if he connects with the barrel of the bat, the ball goes to Pluto. That's mm-hmm. the same thing with Luis Robert. It's the, We've seen Robert can hit it on the Dan Ryan. Baez can hit it onto Waveland. But when they're not making contact with the barrel of the bat it is one of the biggest jokes i've ever seen pitchers purposely throw him three straight sliders out of the zone and he swings at every single one of them i honestly believe aldo that if i were to take an at bat in major league baseball i'm this might sound crazy i played for 15 years i believe if i stepped into a box in major league baseball and i knew that three sliders were coming like Luis, the way Luis Robert does, because yeah. they're throwing it to him every time. You're going to assume they're going to throw it. 
right. I would not swing. I wholeheartedly, that might sound ignorant. That might sound asinine. I don't care. I would draw my walk. I fully, fully believe that. You know, it's funny uh, because uh, Johnny Santucci, a member here at the barroom, he saw you and your brother play baseball, and he actually vouches for the fact that you guys played some really good baseball in your younger days. So I'm not doubting you when you when you say that. The other thing that you uh, uh, that struck me in your opening monologue was that you actually had nice things to say about the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> I thought I'd never hear that from you. Times have changed. Times have changed. <laughs> and, and it's you know, I've I've been I've had a love hate relationship with the Cubs for several years now, uh, but it does appear by your words that they are just a better run franchise right now, at least from the general manager uh, position. I still have problems with ownership with the White Sox, just I mean with the Cubs, just as much as I do with the White Sox. But uh, from a general manager position, it seems like the Cubs have an, an edge and maybe a, a, a decided edge over the White Sox, huh? Yeah, and you know some of the things the Ricketts do off the field, not for it. You know, there are certain things I'm not going to get into it, but you understand where I'm going with it. I don't yeah. think they're necessarily the highest quality of human being personally, mm -hmm. but they allowed Jed Hoyer to give Dansby Swanson one hundred and seventy seven million dollars. And Dansby Swanson probably earned more than that over his last season with the Atlanta Braves. But he hit free agency at the same time as Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner. And there's an oh, wait, no, I just had it. And then I lost it. There was another big free agent shortstop that hit the market this offseason. And, you know, so he was the fourth best one. A guy with 100 RBIs and 30 home runs was the fourth best um, free agent shortstop in the offseason. And so I think that drove his price down just a tad. But there's no doubt that the Ricketts, they have allowed Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein before him to run the Cubs a little bit better than the Whites. Not a little bit, a lot better. I mean, Xander or uh, Dansby Swanson makes a hundred dollars, a hundred million dollars more than Andrew Benintendi, who just mm. signed the richest contract in Chicago White Sox history. So, yeah, I think wow. there's a decided edge at owner in terms of baseball owner. Not in mm -hmm. terms. Jerry Reinsdorf, by all accounts, is a wonderful man, and people around him love him, and he does things for charity, and you know he's he's a family man. He's probably as a man ten times of a better human being than Tom Ricketts, mm -hmm. but as a baseball owner, which I heard David Kaplan say one time, the owner of a MLB franchise or any professional sports franchise is essentially you are in charge of a public trust fund. Mm -hmm. We all trust that you are going to make the proper decisions to put the best possible product on the field. Jerry Reinsdorf has not done that, and I still believe he is an owner because he probably lucked into the seven championships that he has as an owner of a franchise. The Michael Jordan fell to their lap at third overall in 1986, and Ever since then, the Chicago Bulls have become a name brand, and it has nothing to do with Jerry Reinsdorf. It has nothing to do with Phil Jackson. It has nothing to do with Scottie Pippen. I know some of those guys I named were great for the Bulls. I'm not discrediting them at all, but they got Michael Jeffrey Jordan, and that allowed them to win six championships in eight years or whatever it was. And then in 2005, it was the perfect storm. Uh, Paul Konerko in Jermaine Dye, and they had this great rotation of guys who were misfits. The Yankees let... Jose Contreras go for whatever reason. The Mariners let Freddie Garcia go for whatever reason. And Jerry Reinsdorf was like, oh, these cheap, or these 
teams that spend money on big time free agents are letting these cheap guys go. I'll take them. And they mm. it worked for one year. Yeah. And since then, they have been nothing short of disappointing. He's a seven-time champion owner, which is more than any owner in any of the four sports, including Bob Kraft, who's one shy of him. But it's it's just crazy to me that people give Reinsdorf any kind of credit for that when the writing's on the wall that, you know, it, uh, Michael Jordan was a large part of that and then one outstanding great postseason run from a 99-win ball club in 05. The decided edge is absolutely in favor of the Cubs. That's a great uh, breakdown on Reinsdorf. You're absolutely right. I mean, he's been so spendthrift. And, and, and talking to Mike North, North has said that, you know, Jerry is just concerned about turning a profit every year. He doesn't want to gamble on big contracts uh, because he doesn't want to come in on the red. He is just such a hardcore businessman. He's just simply interested on whether they're in the black at, at the end of the year when they're doing their books. And uh, that's just no way to to run a franchise. And the, the Kaplan quote uh, that you cited is absolutely correct. When you run a major league franchise, whether it's the Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks, you name it, you have you do it's part of the public trust. I mean, you know, part of our taxes go for the existence of these franchises, and so you really should do what you can uh, to deliver uh, entertainment. Uh, and uh, entertainment usually is tied into winning, winning baseball or winning whatever sport it is. So uh, hopefully the Bears will uh, start to adopt that philosophy and stop making the mistakes that they've done over the last two decades. And if so, they can start tonight. Ryan Poles' first uh, selection ever in the first round is going to be huge. And uh, let's talk about the NFL draft. What do you, what do you want to talk about? Well, I was going to ask you first, uh, you know, I know we're going to get heavy focus on the Bears and I do have some Bears questions for you, but I am curious, who does Aldo Gandia think is going to be selected number one overall by the Carolina Panthers? I know that there were some people, uh, Levi's uh, odds boosted by like a thousand yesterday to go number one, but Bryce Young from Alabama, the Crimson Tide, he still is the favorite to go. Number one, I know there were some people thinking C.J. Stroud for a long time. Where do you stand on who the Carolina Panthers should take and who they will take? Yeah, well, who they should take is an interesting question because, um, you know, quarterbacks are just overvalued come draft time because of the importance of the position and Super Bowl winning teams usually are led by quarterbacks. And so you – very often have second round caliber quarterbacks, sometimes third round caliber quarterbacks going in the first round. It's very much a crapshoot. So, you know, it's hard for me to answer that question. Who should they go for? Because they're in dire need of a quarterback. Um, but I don't really think that there is a genuine number one overall talent in this draft. There are so many really good players in this draft, but there is nobody like previous drafts where Peyton Manning was definitely the number one. Uh, Miles Garrett was definitely the number one. And so on and on. But the, the Panthers there, I think there's no doubt now reports are starting to roll in that Bryce Young is going to be the selection at, with the first pick for the Carolina Panthers. And he comes with his own question marks. I mean, he is a 
a phenomenal quarterback in terms of processing and seeing who's open. He's got that sixth sense. A, a general manager said that Young plays the position like a point guard, the way he distributes things, and he sees the field so so well. But the problem with him is that can he withstand NFL punishment? He's under six feet tall. He's 204 pounds. That's what he weighed at the combine, and he gained weight so that uh, so because he generally plays at about 190 pounds. And so will he be able to withstand the punishment of the NFL? Can his body take it? That's the big question with Bryce Young. And to me, is why he's really not worthy of the number one overall choice. But is he the best of the four quarterbacks coming out? Yeah, based on what you see on tape, the guy is genuinely a has superstar qualities because he sees the field well, because he, he is accurate with his throws, because he is a genuine leader. So those qualities, you know, outweigh the question marks about whether he can withstand uh, punishment in the NFL. Sure. And do you think the fact that Carolina now no longer has a first round pick next year, at least their own first round pick, they could always trade for others, but they're probably going to be relatively bad again next season. And another top 10 pick, the bears could very well have two top 10 picks um, in next season's draft 2024. That probably pushes them to draft a quarterback even more because next year's quarterback class is better than this year's, and mm. Carolina's not going to have a selection to make one of those picks. I, I thought it was so weird that they were the team that the Bears ended up making the trade with, but what do I really care as a Bears fan? Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, uh, for Carolina losing their number one wide receiver, DJ Moore, and trading for a quarterback this season and losing their number one draft pick is going to be a big blow to this team. So the expectation is, is that the Panthers will have a losing season and that they that draft choice for the Panthers, which of course now belongs to the Bears, could be a top five pick. Who knows? Maybe a top one pick. Who knows? But uh, that's a great thing for the Chicago Bears. It's a, a formula for success when you have high draft picks. You, of course, have to hit on those. Uh, the Panthers ha are going to have to figure out, be very creative with player selection and free agency signings in order to have a anything near a winning season in 2023 and beyond in the short-term future. I really don't think Bryce Young is that seminal talent who is going to come in immediately as a rookie. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the closest thing, and he was really in his second year because he sat that first year on, uh, behind Alex Smith. So it's going to be a tough row for uh, the Carolina Panthers, and that's going to benefit the Bears. So I ask you really quick, and then we could start getting into the nitty-gritty of the Bears selection. Do you think the Bears, they now know that if things go really bad this season, we see that Justin Fields has taken no steps. We've seen that you know, they have there's no excuse for the wide receiver room anymore. We assume they're probably going to draft an offensive lineman or two over the next couple of days here to better protect him. And if we still don't see improvement, they have two potentially top 10 picks next year that they could probably make getting one of those guys in next year's draft a possibility. I know that's not fun to think about. We all love to see. Uh, Justin Fields throw for 4,000 yards and run for another thousand, a total 5,000 yard package and have 25 touchdowns to eight interceptions. We would all love to see that, not even think twice about a quarterback next year, use those picks on receivers and defensive linemen and whatever. But 
I mean, it's got to be in the back of people's minds, right? Just based on the way this franchise has been run the last 20. Well, I would think that it's in the front of Ryan Poles' mind. He has to go out there in this draft and the rest of free agency because there will be quality players available in free agency. And he's got to make sure that he is fielding a team around Justin Fields where there are no excuses. He'll be in his second year in this system. He's got a true number one receiver in DJ Moore. Hopefully he's going to get a even better running back, and we'll talk about that more later, uh, to help uh, with the rushing attack. He's going to get additional help at the offensive line position. And so uh, Justin Fields should have everything necessary to make a leap in his play. If he doesn't make that leap, and you can see that he's still having trouble processing, that he's still uh, having some accuracy issues with his short passes. If he still is in that rut throughout the 2023 season, then of course, Ryan Poles has that big decision. Caleb Williams is considered the number one quarterback coming out of, of the of college football next season. And so Ryan Poles will have to start to figure out a way to get that quarterback or one of the other top quarterbacks and then start over from that position. It's an unfortunate truth that that might be might happen but let's hope that justin fields can meet expectations from a lot of people we just had uh mark schofield who is considered a quarterback whisper he played college uh football position and now he's a writer for a number of services including sb nation and he said i truly believe that justin fields is a pocket quarterback let's remember at ohio state justin fields did very little running he only ran when he had to uh he, but there weren't any designed runs for him and so forth so the whole running thing is really not something that fields is 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 uh, uh acclimated with he wasn't in college and so we've got to get him all the resources so that he can stay in the pocket comfortably in the pocket and release that ball on time and accurately to his receivers. And if that doesn't happen in 2023, yes, you're absolutely right. Time to think about a new quarterback. Absolutely. So now let's start thinking about who the Bears are going to select at pick number nine if they end up keeping the pick. There are rumors that if the Houston Texans don't take Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama, he could slip all the way to the Bears at number nine. I'm not necessarily thinking that that's going to end up being the case. So who do you think, maybe like two or three players, that you have on your mind for this ninth overall pick? Well, it's interesting because some of the scenarios that have been popping up over the last 24 hours have – the uh, Arizona Cardinals and the Houston Texans making some trades. And in some of the mocks that I've seen from uh, people who I trust, they've actually had, we've seen uh, Tyrese uh, uh, Wilson fall to number nine. And if that's the case, then the Bears just run up to uh, the podium and select this guy because he is the best, in my mind, even better than Will Anderson, pass rusher available in this draft and fits perfectly within the scheme. The one thing about Will Anderson is that his measurables and his his strengths are more suited for a 3-4 defense. The Bears are running this 4-3 defense. Uh, you put Tyrese uh, Wilson in there at the left end position or the right end position and you let him go. But there is still a strong unlikelihood that Wilson will be available. So if that's the case, and if the uh, no offensive tackles have been selected in the first eight, eight rounds, then 
Poles has to seriously look at trading down to accumulate more picks, and in particular, a high second-round pick, because a high second-round pick will allow you to, to uh, pick an edge rusher, one of the more quality edge rushers, or maybe even a three-tech that might be available, high in the second, second round. When the Bears made that Chase Claypool trade and traded away what is now the first pick of the second round, that doesn't look so great now, and if Claypool ends up being a bust, then that's going to be a huge fail for, for Ryan Poles. But again, if if Wilson is not available, the Bears should trade down to 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, then get their offensive lineman, and then with that high second-round pick, select that edge rusher. So Paris Johnson, uh, Broderick Jones, uh, Darnell Wright, those are the offensive linemen who, uh, who I think the Bears would be considering. And j just uh, there is a small chance, I think, that Peter Skaronsky might be on that list too. I know that the uh, arguments against him is that he has short arms and so he's better to play at the guard or even center position because he played center at Northwestern. Uh, he, uh, so he's played really every position uh, at, at Northwestern. But if the Bears think that he could play the right tackle position despite – having the shortest arms probably of, of any right tackle in the NFL, then maybe he's the player. But I'm my preference is Paris Johnson because, because he's from Ohio State, so there'll be that camaraderie with Justin Fields. He'll have that allegiance to protect him. All of the tape says this guy is ready to go plug him, play him, and go. Uh, so if you can move down, get some additional draft assets, and still walk away with Paris Johnson – or Broderick Jones, the kid out of Georgia, he's he's probably the more athletic of the two, and he's definitely the more athletic of the two, but the question with him is that he's only had one full season as a starter where he played at a high level, and so you, you have to weigh that. But it really, either one of those two guys are my first choices for the Chicago Bears. For sure, and we've seen rumors throughout the day that the Washington Commanders are looking to move up a little bit, and there's a chance that Chase Young, could be on the move for them. Obviously, Chase Young is a highly talented uh, edge rusher for the Commanders. Do you think a trade involving pick number nine and Chase Young could work out between the Commanders and the Bears? Because the Bears, they'd still be moving back into the late teens, as you suggested, and could probably maybe even get that higher-end second-round pick. I mean, what are your thoughts on a trade like that potentially happening? My, uh, I have concerns about Chase because of the injuries that he suffered. And when a team doesn't pick up your fifth-year option, well, clearly they have concerns too. Now, they also have salary cap issues, and so that's a big part of the reason. I uh, think that it would go against the Ryan Poles' plan for developing this team. And what I mean by that is that he's not going to acquire Chase Young as a one-year project. If Chase Young plays at a high level, then immediately at 2024, you are forced now to give him a $20 million plus contract as a top defensive end. Plus, you've got to consider if Justin Fields is now going to play at a high level, he's going to be seeking a, uh, a Jalen uh, Hurts uh, 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 type contract. So you've got to manage the money properly. I doubt they're going to go after Chase Allen injury history and uh, contract demands in the near future to me say that's not going to happen. Robert in the chat says trade down and get Bijan, obviously referring to Texas Longhorns running back Bijan um, Robinson. Are you as against taking a running back in the first round as I am? Yes. 
I don't know how badly you are, but yeah, the, the team needs to really build the trenches. If you look closely at what happened with the Chicago Bears in 2022, there was no offensive line protection for Justin Fields, and there was no pass rush from the defensive line. Those are the two most critical positions to focus in on this draft. You've got to strengthen the trenches. Ryan Poles is a guy who played the offensive line position. Ian Cunningham has a lot of experience with offensive linemen. Those are the two key decision makers. I really do believe, particularly when you look at the strength of this draft, that you go after guys in the trenches. And as for B. John Robinson, yes, he's a spectacular player. He could come in here and be in the mold of a Peyton, Gale Sayers, and other great running backs in Chicago Bears history. But the timing isn't right. If Bijan Robinson will go to a team that is close to winning a Super Bowl and just needs that one offensive spark, like the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Eagles lost some defensive players, and I'm sure they're going to target some defensive players in this draft to uh, make up for players that they've lost. But Bijan Robinson makes a ton of sense for the Eagles, and, and that's where Robinson will go. Yeah. You know, I think if a team like the Kansas City Chiefs found a way to get Bijan Robinson, that would just oh, yeah. be, that would just be like football porn, if you will. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, right. Like, I don't know. I didn't know I was going to actually say it, but that was what was in my mind, and that's just what it would be like. And you know, I just think that would be so cool to see him end up with the Chiefs because, like, what do the Chiefs need? Like, yeah, could they use some you know help? But you know, I in every sport. I think you can like look at how to build a team. So in hockey, I like to build from the back out. You know, forty goal scoring wingers come and go. Like you know, good centermen, you you could draft them high, whatever. Goaltending and defense. If you don't have that, you're you're screwed in hockey. In baseball, I I think of like building up the middle: center field, shortstop, second base, pitcher, catcher. You could fill in the corners. Mm -hmm. In football, once you have the quarterback, the trenches. So you build from the middle out. And yes. that's just how I see it. And I, I like B. John Robinson. I thought he was a pleasure to watch at Texas. I like watching Texas football. They got the bright orange jerseys. Everyone's feeling good. Um, all, all the people in the crowd, men and women, they all look good. Everyone's having a good time over there at Texas. But I just can't see the Bears making a move like that. It's just not, you know, my kind of pick. Uh, you know, even like the Giants, they took Saquon Barkley. All those years to go fourth overall. Saquon Barkley is an outstanding running back when he's healthy. How has that how has that worked out for the Giants, though? Exactly. It doesn't help you win quite the same as some of these other guys. So exactly. And those guys, you know, those great running backs like that, they're really uh, should be one contract players. Look at, at what happened with Ezekiel Elliott. They gave him that second big contract and he didn't earn any of that money. The, his backup was the better player over the last two seasons uh, for them. Plus, the other thing is in this draft, there are quality running backs uh, that you can get in uh, make, as late as day three. But if the Bears want a running back early, like in the perhaps in the second round, then Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, to me, is almost as good as Bijan Robinson. He definitely is the better pass catcher of the two. And if uh, so, he could be an interesting possibility, particularly if the Bears move down, uh, trade down, and acquire uh, second round picks. 
through some trade manipulations, there, Gibbs could be a possibility. And if that were to happen, I would be very, very pleased. But there's other uh, really good running backs like uh, Zeke Charbonnet out of UCLA. Uh, Tajay Spears is a guy that I like a lot. And uh, there's been a report that Tajay might drop a little bit. Tajay suffered an ACL injury. Uh, uh, when he was at Tulane. Now, he was able to come back and play at a very, very high level, but there are still some concerns about that ACL, and so that might hurt his draft stock. So he might fall to day three. If he falls to day three, based on what we saw, like, for instance, in the bowl game, Tajay Spears just annihilated USC. I think he had four touchdowns, three rushing and one receiving. And at the senior bowl, I saw him up close. The guy was phenomenal. So if Tajay Spears is there in day three, you go after him. There's other guys like Tank Bigsby, uh, Rashawn Johnson, the backup to Bijan Robinson, who a lot of people say would have been starting and doing tremendous work at any other NCAA school. Israel Abanaconda. There's tons of guys out there that can come in from the running back position and really help that running back room. And so the same question could be asked about wide receivers too, because the Bears added DJ Moore through the trade for the first overall pick. And they obviously have Darnell Mooney and the trade for Chase Claypool. We'll see how that ends up working down. But we do know that Jackson Smith and Jigba is supposed to be a very, very good wide receiver. He would obviously have a rapport with Justin Fields as well. And I think Justin Fields has publicly said that he would like to see the Bears take um, him at, you know, pick number nine or if they trade back a little bit and still end up with him. But to me, Justin Fields hasn't been the guy yet that should just be calling shots on who Ryan Poles drafts. And, you know, it's not Aaron Rodgers saying that. It's not Tom Brady saying that. Um, where do you stand on the receivers? I know there's the USC kid and there's a couple other TCU guy, uh, multiple different people that are supposed to impact this draft from the wide receiver position. Yeah. Well, I too am concerned about Darnell Mooney. You hate to see a guy uh, suffer an injury late in the season and you hope that he's progressing well. There are reports that he does look like he's his rehabilitation is going well. He is on the last year of his contract, just like Chase Claypool is. So you have to consider bringing in a wide receiver who can act as a safety net in case Mooney is hampered by his injury and in case uh, Claypool ends up being a big dud. Um, Jackson Smith in Jigba, again, he's a first rounder. And I think, you, again, you got to look at trench, trenches. Jordan Addison, a lot of rumors that he might even be drafted ahead of Jigba. The problem with uh, uh, Jackson Smith is that you know, he didn't play much at all last season because of injury. And when he played the season before, he played the slot position and the two outside receivers were phenomenal receivers. And so uh, uh, Jackson Smith and Jimba was open all the time, partly because of the outside talent that he had. And so it's a little tough, I think, to, uh, to be absolutely certain that he can come into the NFL and play at the high level that a lot of people have been touting him to. I know I'm in the minority in that position, but th th the reality is, is that his best season was when he was playing along two guys who were going to be pro bowl players in the NFL. But there are a, a number of other guys who uh, are really intriguing candidates. You look at Josh Downs, the kid from North Carolina. Here is a guy who, you know, uh, the, the Bears have talked about trying to get a receiver for Fields who will be his 
uh, security blanket on third down. Now, hopefully DJ Moore is that, but Josh Downs can be that too. This is a very shifty receiver who get, creates separation. He runs patterns as well as anybody coming out of this draft. He could be a really nice uh, uh, acquisition for the Bears. Now, he is probably a round two, maybe round three selection, so you'd have to go a little high to get him. But here's a name that I really love. I think he'll be available in the third round. Marvin Mims out of, uh, let's see, what college? Oklahoma. Marvin Mims will immediately uh, make you think of some of the, our finest punt returners in Bears history. Not quite as good as Devin Hester, but certainly Tariq Cohen. He's an outstanding punt returner. Plus, he has breakaway speed. I think he ran, uh, let's see, I got it here, 4.38. <laughs> that guy is a speedster, so he could definitely uh, help the Chicago Bears wide receiver core, and he could be a round three, round four selection. You you go down for like day three, guys, you got A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest, a big, tall receiver, sort of could immediately replace Equinemia St. Brown on the team. Um, and so th there's a lot of really good choices. This is not a bad class for wide receivers. You don't have to go in the first or second round to get one. Absolutely. Mims is probably one of the wide receivers I studied the most when doing different mock drafts over the past couple of weeks. So I actually really like the the soliloquy you had there on Mims. Outstanding. Um, we have a question in the chat. Christian Gonzalez, Oregon cornerback. If he's there at number nine, where do you stand on him or where do you stand on taking a defensive back at all, whether it be a safety or a cornerback? Wow. I've had some sleepless nights thinking about this. One. <laughs> I really have because those top cornerbacks like uh, Joey Porter Jr., Devin Witherspoon and uh, Gonzalez, he's the best of those three. Those three guys are uh, uh, difference makers. Those guys, you line them up in your defensive backfield and they're going to close off that side of the field against most teams they are just going to close that and so when we talk about having to win at the trenches there is this philosophy that if you guard wide receivers long enough it's going to actually help the defensive line get sacks and so it will be very very difficult i think that at least two of those three cornerbacks will be gone uh, before the bears select but if Gonzalez is available, who was my favorite of the three, and or Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, who's got that moxie and that killer spirit. If he's there at number nine, man, you've got to weigh that. You've got to weigh that. And I would say I could possibly think – I think that it's a possibility that the Bears could go for Gonzalez at number nine if they have a plan in place for maybe moving back into the first round, a trade to pick their offensive lineman. You know, they've got those two picks in the second round. They could potentially trade uh, the second rounder for next season. So they, if they've got some plan to address the gaping holes they have at the right tackle position and with edge rushing and at the three tech, if they got a plan for that, then I can see them going after one of these superstar cornerbacks. For sure. that That is outstanding analysis. And Witherspoon was always intriguing to me too because like, going from blue and orange to blue and orange. I know that's like a meatball guy thing to say, but like <laughs> that would that would just be so cool to see someone like that realize a dream like that. Or I, I feel the same way about Skaronsky going from Chicago to Chicago. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, is there any other thing really quick, whether it's Chicago Bears related or not? We've already seen Aaron Rodgers traded. We've already seen some movement. 
Do you think anything huge is going to happen tonight? Are we going to see Mike Evans traded or Austin Eckler traded or, you know, Derek Henry, one of these guys? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that there is a possibility of some name players being moved. I don't have a, uh, a real good indication as to who might go, but I do think that there are going to be sub some surprises about key players who are going to be drafted later rather than where everybody expected them to. And when I say everybody, I mean the media. And the reason for that, Vinny, is that the uh, medical reports have become available to all 32 teams. And so there are players out there who have medical issues that is going that are, are, are going to scare off some general managers. And so a, a particular player who you said, wow, this guy is a first round talent. Why is he still available here at the end of the second round? And it's probably going to be because they they took a close look at the knee or they took a cl close look at the ankle or they uh, uh, did an MRI of the shoulder and the doctors are saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, he can play now, uh, but I, as a long-term decision, do you want really want to invest first-round money on a, on a player like that? And so that's what I will look for in this first round tonight: is these big names are they are any of them are going to fall to the second or third round? And if so, well, then Ryan Poles be uh, thinking about, well, you know, let's take a shot on that guy. It's going to be an interesting storyline. It sure is. And then I have one more question before we wrap things up. We're talking about the potential to draft a quarterback next year or, you know, what quarterbacks are going to be taken this year? How is Justin Fields going to handle it? Well, are you of the opinion that the Chicago Bears, you know, we've seen Justin Fields do a lot of running over the last year. There's always potential for injury and whatnot or, you know, certain types of situations. Could you see them in the late rounds, like in the last round? They have the second to last pick in the draft. Could you see them going for a Tanner McKee or a Jake Hayner or a Stenson Bennett to potentially be like a, a backup quarterback that they kind of just start molding from scratch? Yeah. You know, I, I, I do believe that a general manager should select a quarterback every other year or so and to keep the pipeline moving with, you know, solid quarterbacks that you can develop and, you know, potentially trade if the if the quarterback develops well or at the very least, you know, have them on the squad in, in case of an emergency. Justin Fields gets hurt, put them in. But here's the thing. I really like P.J. Walker the trade, uh, the, the free agent signing that they had. This guy showed some stuff uh, last season. He showed some stuff when he was playing over at the USFL. I really do think that he's going to be an adequate, more than adequate backup. And he's got some of the, the Justin Fields skills, so you don't have to change the offense. You know, we, we've seen before that, you know, we've had backup quarterbacks who look nothing at all like the starting quarterback, they didn't have the athletic skills and stuff. And so it's, what are we doing here? We've got to change the offense now because we're bringing in, uh, 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 what's his name, the redheaded guy, the, the red rifle. Oh, Andy Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Dalton. So, um, I, I, but if you're asking me would I consider a day three quarterback, Absolutely. Absolutely. So some of the names that you mentioned, um, you know, this isn't this isn't a great draft for quarterbacks outside of the top four or five guys. Top five, because I think Hendon Hooker is probably going to be a first rounder. But I started uh, doing some research on Jake Hayner because Jordan Silvera has just been, you know, 
uh, preaching this guy, and I like the guy, and, but he's probably an early day three guy. I'm not sure I would go for Jake Hayner then, but Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, some of these quarterbacks, perhaps I would look at them if if you're getting good value and not over uh, uh, not overlooking a position of need, and there's somebody of comparable talents uh, as one of these quarterbacks. I. Would love to see the Bears acquire a, cor- a quarterback, but I wouldn't mind at all if they waited until next year's draft. That makes total sense. Aldo, what's your favorite snack you're going to eat while running the draft tonight? Well, that's a great question. I um, I am probably going to have some chips and salsa. Um, I'm a big popcorn guy. I love popcorn. I am going to be just behind the scenes, so I'll probably have some chocolate cake. <laughs> Uh, uh, No, actually, I'm not a big chocolate uh, fan, but, uh, you know, I'm probably going to be uh, sipping my whiskey as I usually do. And so anytime there's a miscue, I put up the wrong graphic and stuff, you could probably blame it to whatever I'll be drinking, uh, Maker's Mark or or, uh, Angel's Envy. I just got a new bottle of Angel's Envy. I love that whiskey. So I'll I'll, I'll snack a little bit and sip a little bit and hopefully not make any mistakes. Absolutely. I mean, I can imagine you're, you're equally, if not, you're way more busy than I am. And I, I think tonight, like I have, I have anxious, excited energy for tonight because Dylan Cease is on the mound for the White Sox. The Devils and the Rangers play game five. The Bears are scheduled to make the ninth overall pick. And then I got to do the Jaguars doing the 24th overall pick. So tonight is going to just be a whale of a night for me, but you know, you do a better job of promoting what's going on at the Barham Network. So tell people what you're talking about when referencing you being behind the scenes tonight. You bet. And I just want to shout out the Hart Foundation. Uh, he says that he loves chicharrones, which are uh, pork skins with hot sauce. So and good. They are so good. And they're also really low in carbs. And so I've got to watch my sugar levels. And so uh, pork skins are the way to go. And, and as he says, a Miller Lite. I love the Corona Premier. It's got less than two carbs. And I'll have a couple of those as well. But as for what's going on in the bar room, well, first of all, I got to let people know that your show, uh, Bar Down Hockey Talk, and this one, Crosstown Crosstalk, and South Burps Hitmen on Monday that you do along with uh, Joe Mandel and Zim Zimmerman. Outstanding stuff, and you can get those shows not only on our YouTube channel, but you can get them on our audio podcast outlets. Just search Barroom Network, subscribe, and you're going to get new programming almost every day. Uh, and, and Vinny is a big part of the outstanding programming that we have here at the Barroom Network. Tonight, starting at 7 p.m., John Buffon is back, and he's going to be playing injured because Buffon, for those of you who don't know him, he is the nephew of former Bears linebacker Doug Buffon, played 15 seasons with the Chicago Bears alongside Dick Butkus. Well, uh, John, uh, who does a lot of boxing, he tore his bicep. And so he is going to be heavily medicated, <laughs> medicated tonight. So this is going to be really interesting. Me sipping my whiskey and him on uh, some meds. Uh, and Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinski will be there to provide analysis. Plus also we've got taped Rollins of Greg Gabriel talking about some of these proc prospects and Justin, uh, excuse me, Jordan Reed from ESPN. We've uh, did a show with him recently and I've caught up some of his analysis of some of the players. So we'll roll those in during our first down, uh, our first round coverage tonight. We'll be live for all 31 picks of the first round. And then tomorrow we're 
back at it again. We're going to cover every selection of rounds two and three. And then on Saturday, we're going to be live for every pick. And it's almost sort of an open mic. So if anybody is interested, send me a DM. If you want to come in for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes and talk about the Bears, definitely uh, 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 sending you an invitation, Vinny. You want to come in and share your opinions of what the Bears have done, what the Bears are doing, or what the Bears will do. I uh, would love to hear from you and be a part of our seven-hour coverage Saturday of the Bears draft. So that's our, our draft coverage. And then uh, uh, interspersed with that, Greg Gable is doing a show on Friday morning and on Saturday morning to give us the latest. Greg is really in touch with a lot of uh, background news, uh, stuff that the uh, media hasn't gotten to yet, and he'll also evaluate the Bears picks. Outstanding stuff. And yeah, I am going to pop in a little bit on Saturday morning. I, awesome. I'm going to give some time. I definitely want to let out, not on paper, like using my voice what I think has gone on with the Chicago Bears over the last couple of days. So uh, I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to be a part of it. And I encourage everyone, after each pick is done, within 5, 10, 15 minutes, there will be stuff on blackandteal.com and dewindycity.com covering some of these draft picks. And even if they're not your teams, let's say you're not a Bears fan or you're not a Jaguars fan, well, we've all been studying all these prospects. And now we're going to see, you know, it's always funny. Like the Packers are going to draft one of these guys that we love right now. And that's just, it's just that way in every sport. You fall in love with 10, 15 prospects. Chances yeah. are one of them is going to end up with your rivals. Yeah. Um, the biggest example, a couple years ago, I was obsessed with this hockey prospect, Keandre Miller. And everyone was like, oh, I'm not too sure about Ke I was like, I promise he plays for Wisconsin. We want the Devils to get him. We want the Blackhawks to get him. The New York Rangers selected him 22nd overall. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I spent all spring pumping this guy's tires just for me to hate his guts. And now he's their number two defenseman. Vinny nailed that one. I don't nail a lot of things. I nailed that one. So that's going to happen with the NFL draft. I can't wait to see which player I get to hate for the Green Bay Packers. Two things real quick. What I'm most worried about is the Detroit Lions. I, get, you, I, I got to yep. give them props. They are really okay. developing a great roster, and they'll have the pick, uh, I think the sixth pick in the draft. And so I'm worried that they may select Jalen Carter. And Jalen Carter, for all the question marks about him, the one thing that is certain is that when he's playing at his best, he can disrupt the middle of an offensive line. And so the Bears will be in big trouble uh, if Jalen Carter is lining up for the Lions. And then the, other, the, the second thing, the other night I'm watching uh, the Devils and the Rangers, and uh, I saw probably a period uh, before it went into overtime, and um, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I want to root for the Devils because uh, I know my man Vinny loves the Devils, but watching Patrick Kane in that Rangers uniform, man, I, I got to root for Patrick too. So I know the series is tied 2-2 now, right? Yep. And so uh, tonight's game, I'll, I'm going to keep one eye on the scoreboard. And uh, if the Devils win, that's great because, uh, you know, my man Vinny is going to be happy. But if the Rangers win, you know, I got to give some props to my man Patrick Kane. Yeah, Patrick Kane is a Chicago legend. So I completely understand there's no hate for me for that guy whatsoever. I'm pretending he's not even on the Rangers. You know, <laughs> it's going to be a little three-month fling. I'm, you know, if he signs with a new team during the offseason, we'll be A-OK -okay with Patrick Kane just trying to go for another one. And if the Devils, if the Rangers do win and then win one more series, which I think the winner of this series is going to advance to the conference finals, which is my personal way too early prediction, the Hawks would get a, their second round pick would become a first round pick that they got from them. So that's something to look forward to. But we were for the Devils first, Blackhawks second round pick becoming a first round pick second. But, you know, hopefully it all goes well. And, man, I can't wait for tonight. It's going to be a great sports night.
Thanks for keeping me informed with hockey and baseball. You do a great job, Vinny, uh, and have fun tonight, okay? Absolutely. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you always for listening. That's our show. Make sure you follow at Aldo Gandia, at Barroom Network on Twitter. I'm at Vinny Breezy on Twitter. Watch all the draft problem. Excuse me. Watch all the draft programming tonight, tomorrow, the next day. Have a good night. Take care.